Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, the Astros put a ball on the moon and maybe put the cheating tag to rest once and for all. The two most hated coaches on the college football landscape, Dabo and the Nictator, might have both been eliminated on Saturday night. We've got week nine in the NFL, Kyrie's to-do list, and a few things to remember before you exercise that right to vote. Your bonus, Soul of Light with Captain Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Alvarez hits a high drive center field. Veerling's back. This game is turned upside down. That ball was murdered into orbit as Jordan Alvarez puts the Astros to the mountaintop. The most amazing stat, and that call from Joe Davis on Saturday night, The most amazing stat was Davis said Alvarez was once considered not powerful enough at the plate. He only had one home run in his final two years playing in Cuba, and apparently it was an inside the parker. How about that for a stat of the day to start us out on a Monday, November 7, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Astros win the World Series. Dusty Baker gets his ring and all the stuff that flowed from that game on Saturday night. Just a quick shout out to my boy, Houston Scotty. He said he bought $1,500 of championship merchandise in the hours after the win. He was there with his girl, Tina. They brought their uh, their uh, printed out K signs to hang on the railing in the, I believe, upper deck in the right field portion of Minute Maid. Man, oh man, what what a game that would have been to be at. Happy for him, but I'm not like going crazy. I'm not like, yay, Astros. Uh, they're good. They're good. And and they there will be no cheating tag on this one as there was the one previously. And uh, they are feeling their oats down there in Houston. Too bad, Philly. Um, to my savages who are friends in Philadelphia and the Philadelphia area who root for and live and die for Philly teams. I feel you, bro. I feel you. I know a kid saying Philly fans are savages. The ones that I know are actually civilized, decent people, including uh, Nathan Nye, who is going to be coming with me and Scotty to to, uh, Scotland this coming summer. That'll be interesting hearing those two guys on the links probably chirp each other the whole time. But uh, yeah, Nathan was emailing me saying, you know, his boys are of that age. They're of that age, I think 9, 10, 11, 12, something like that, and they are super into the World Series. Uh, they got to be crushed. They got to be crushed. Of course, 
I saw a stat that said that of the major four major sports teams that get to the finals or play in the championship game, that the city of Philadelphia has like a seven and fifteen record, and that's one of the lowest winning percentages amongst cities in the championship round or in the championship game of the four major sports. I, it sounds about right. I remember my colleague and co-host in Charlotte, North Carolina, once upon a time, Sandy Penner from Philadelphia, talked about how when he was like 10 years old, the year that three of the four teams made the finals and lost, or maybe all four made it and only one of them won, that before the before the championship, he, he quote, ran away from home because – he, he said to his parents, we're a city of losers. <laughs> he was so mad about it. I forget exactly what year that was, but anyway, uh, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I'm not trying to blame anybody for this, but just, you know, some people are saying that once they started to heckle Mattress Mac, then it all went downhill. Karma is a bitch. Mattress Mac, of course, now was $75 million over a multitude of bets at a blended approximately seven, seven and a half to one number to win it all. $10 million on the line wins $75 million. It's the largest known gambling win by an individual in North American sports history. I believe MGM Grand said in a tweet, we just paid out $30 million to Mattress Mac for him winning the World Series. And you know what? If we had to do it all over again, we absolutely would. <laughs> yes. A, because they're not going to close MGM Grand just because of this. B, they're going to get plenty of other people now. They love the fact. This was a whale call for the ages. That's the first time you've ever impersonated whales on this pod. I know. I thought I'd roll that one out there. Did you like that? Did that sound accurate? Of course, they're going to say, hey, yeah, you know what? We paid him out. He won fair and square. We'd do it all over again. If you don't think this is not going to inspire other whales to be making whale bets, you don't know human psychology. Because they're coming, especially they want the shine. They want that stardom that comes with the $75 million. But anyway, so heckling Mattress Mac, probably not a great idea. Heckling Nick Castellanos' wife, definitely not a good deal. Apparently, Castellanos' wife said, quote, to the absolute bimbo who just talked to my kid like that, I got four more years here. See you soon, she tweeted, referencing the five-year, $100 million contract that Nick signed with the Phillies before the season. Yeah, Castellanos grounded out. Uh, In the final game in Philly, that was game five that could have helped deliver a win. I mean, come on now. Granted, it's only one fan, I know. And oh, you know, don't tar all... Philly fans with this, that they're attacking one of their own players just because, oh my God, he didn't get the hit we needed at just the right time we needed it. It's just one fan. Don't, but this keeps happening. They eat their own. Like there's gotta be better policing of this somehow. I I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, but also you could blame Dr. Jill Biden because she showed up. All of a sudden, they lose three games in a row. They get a total of nine hits along the way. Could be the kiss of death, the curse of the politician. And she's really not even a politician. She's the first lady. Dr. Jill Biden. I know she's not a real doctor, which, by the way, is something that Whoopi Goldberg apparently did not know because Whoopi once said, oh, we should name Dr. Jill Biden as a, a, a surgeon general. She's an amazing doctor. I had to look this up because I'm like, okay, what is her doctorate in? She's a doctorate of education in the uh, from University of Delaware. Her dissertation, student retention at the community college, meeting students' needs. <laughs> a doctor of education. And uh, doesn't ins- I don't know if she insists by being called Dr. Jill Biden, but people do. <laughs> like Dr. Manning. My high school principal who was a doctor of education. Anyway, she is from Hamilton, New Jersey. So there's that, which is halfway between Philly and Atlantic City. So I get it. You know, I'm from the Philly area. They're in the World Series. I should go. But politicians should know. Don't go to these games. Don't put your potentially negative karma in there because all they're going to do is blame you if it goes south. Be at the parade. How about that? Wait until there's a parade and then go. Don't go to the games themselves, but they can't help themselves. Politicians can't. Trey Mancini is a world champion. How great is that? Stage three colon cancer when he was playing with the Orioles. Recovers from that. He got a hit in game six playing first base because Yuli Gurriel was unavailable due to injury. That is a great story. And then there was Kate Upton, who... She doesn't do much for me. I know that sounds crazy. It's like, how can you say that? I'm not saying she's not supermodel attractive. I'm saying for me, amongst other supermodels and or public figures who are very attractive, very dynamic women, she is just, whatever, it, it doesn't hit. She doesn't hit for me like she hits for other people, but I appreciate the fact that she is a rider dyer with her man, Justin Verlander. Eat your heart out, Tom Brady. Take a listen to Kate Upton after the game. You, you want him to retire or play one more year? <laughs> one more, Papi. One more. Oh, wait. I you know. Wow. Papi He's going to pursue his 25. What's going on? No, no, no. I love watching my husband do it. I'm a journalist. <laughs> Did you see how he pissed this year? Are you crazy? They've been so supportive. Yeah, did you see him do what he loves? Did you see him do his craft? He's such an artist out there. When he's pitching, it's truly so creative. It's such an art. And we are so honored to be here. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Puts a big old kiss right on his lips. That, that right there. That right there. Now, again, I, who knows what went on with Brady and Giselle, but still, that's what you want from your woman. I love watching him do what he does. It's art and hell yeah. Of course, it's baseball, you know, where he only has to work once every five days and he's not getting his brains bashed in. Speaking of Brady, holy shit, I just watched the comeback, the 60 yards and six plays prevent defense for the ultimate loss. What are you doing Sean McVay, as Brady engineers his 55th fourth quarter comeback for a win, 
that is now the most of all time, and the Buccaneers are still alive. Son of a bitch. Anyhow, baseball will look a lot different next year as we put a wrap on this season. Pitch clock, or as they call it, a pitch timer. I don't know the difference between that. Larger bases and no shift. They didn't go to robo-umps now, although they're calling it the ABS system, the automatic ball strike system. No robo-umps just yet, but that day could be coming. The pitch clock is going to be 30 seconds between batters, 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on base, and you only get two pickoff attempts. On your third pickoff attempt, if you don't get the runner, he gets second base automatically. They say with the rule in place on the pitch timer in the minors this year, steal attempts per game have increased from two two and change to a 68% rate. Or no, I'm sorry, they, they went from 2.2 steal attempts to 2.8 steal attempts per game, so that's up a nice tick. And the success of steals went from 68% to 77%. So, yeah, that'll help keep things moving, get guys running. Um, Shift, as of this writing, the league-wide batting average on balls in play of 291, writes MLB.com, is six points lower than in 2012 and 10 points lower on BABIP, batting average on balls in play, than 2006. League-wide, 10 points. That's pretty significant. So the shift is going to say you have to have two infielders on the inside of the dirt on either side of second base when the ball is hit. You can't switch guys left to right either. One thing people pointed out is that they're going to have to come to standardized infields because the actual infield width and arc of the dirt has not been uniform from field to field. And the bases are going to be bigger from 15 inches to 18 inches. So, hey, how about that? That should increase steals by 0.12% or something like that. What's the, what's that? What's the difference of three inches? I don't know. Ask your mom. College football, Georgia rolls Tennessee. I mean, it was a domination of the number one team in the country. They win, they cover. And they pretty much put to doubt whether or not anybody is on Georgia's level. Answer, no. Georgia beat Oregon and Tennessee combined by a million points. And Oregon and Tennessee, outside of playing Georgia, are undefeated between the two of them. That's pretty good. Now, there was a replay in the game. (laughs) I'm sure you saw me tweet about this. It was a safety in the end zone on a fumble by Hendon Hooker of Tennessee. He was recovered by a 300-pound lineman. He then lunges to try to get out of the end zone. And upon you know the, the initial call by Brad Nessler was like, and that'll be a safety. He could see it with his bare eyes in real time. And they show the replay. And they show the lineman with his knee down in the end zone, with his thigh down, with his dick down. I mean, everything was down. And they looked at it forever. And it took forever. And I'm just like tweeting away. This is why replay is the worst. It's the devil. You people that like replay are Satan worshipers. And then they come back and they go, and the play calls a stands, <laughs> which was a non-safety. They ruled him out of the end zone, the ball at like the one. Of course, they ended up having a punt. Georgia got the ball right back. They took two plays, went into the end zone, which again is ball don't 
lie. Now, this was, uh, you could call it the hobnail boot game, although that's not the official name. Like, there's no official trophy in place for Georgia versus Tennessee, but there should be because the hobnail boot game refers to announcer Larry Munson, long time. Georgia announcer who died uh, over a decade ago in 2011. He was 89, but he had called 35 years of Georgia football. And on a big game in 2001, Georgia beat Tennessee early in the season. It was like week four, but it was a big game. And they engineered a huge comeback in the last minute of the game or less. And here was the call from Larry Munson about the win. Four, four, fake. And there's a touchdown! Touchdown, my God, a touchdown! We threw it to to Hange! We just stepped it with five seconds left! My God almighty, did you see what he did? David Green just straightened up, and we snuck the fullback over. Haynes is keeping the ball. Haynes has come running all the way across to the bench. We just dumped it over. It's 26 to 24. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. We dumped it over. (laughs) Now, for the record, a hobnail boot is a boot that features small nails or metal nubs or spikes that project from the sole, helping the wearer gain traction while walking on icy, snowy, or rocky surfaces. Munson insisted for years he wasn't even sure what one was when he pulled the reference out. He explained in his autobiography, I think I was thinking about those German army boots and how those guys would walk in unison down the street after they had conquered somebody. Maybe I was thinking about jack boots and the hobnailed thing just came out. I didn't know what it was until the next day Furman Bisher, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, called me. He said that hobnailed boots had been used forever in the lumber industry up in North Carolina, where he is from, Furman Bisher. So maybe that's where Larry Munson got it from. Anyway, there was uh, on, on the set of College Game Day, Luke Pryan, who was great, by the way, with Pat McAfee, who has been great on that show. He was wearing a pair of hobnail boots tied together around his neck. And I thought, why aren't they using this as a trophy for the game? Alabama lost in overtime to LSU. Brian Kelly goes for two and the win at home in overtime and gets it balls the size of church bells, as Dabney Coleman once said in the movie Dragnet. How about your jokes and memes now, huh, on Brian Kelly with the fingers, the dancing, and the lights, and the southern accent at the rally? Oh, he's got LSU going already in year one. Bama is likely out to which people were posting memes left and right about because they've got two losses. They have lost control of the uh, SEC West now to LSU. But (laughs) people were posting memes, and this kept coming up, the infamous interview with Maria Taylor in which he got more and more pissed off about the line of questioning that maybe not Maria herself was asking, but other people in the media were asking. So here's the question. Hey, uh, Hey, Nick. You guys going to the college football playoff again this year? 
Uh, you think so? On a 2-1, Alvarez. It's a high drive oh, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm not going to, so quit asking. There it is. <laughs> Are you going to the – see, I set that up perfectly. Are you going to the playoff, man? I'm not going to, so quit asking. Dang, you know, and I spent time. I cut these bites. I cut that. I recorded them in Audio Hijack. I then edited them in OSIN Audio. I then put the bites in my rundown here in my Evernote thinking, oh, this will be smooth. I'll just read what I've got written. I'll click on the bite. I'll hit it. And then it misfired for some reason. Well, you could go take it out and post it, uh, editing. I'm not fucking editing this. You get the point. Okay? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to. So quit asking. <laughs> Are you going to clean this up afterwards, Abe? I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> uh, the only time Alabama's been out of the college football playoffs since they started it was 2019. They lost to Auburn and LSU. I think with certainty, Georgia is in no matter what, uh, unless the bottom falls out, which I don't think it will. Clemson is out because of their thrashing at the hands of Notre Dame. Uh, already considered a weak, undefeated team. They're out for sure. And then you got Michigan-Ohio State as like a play-in game of sorts. TCU, if they can run the table, I think will have to be in. But they've got some tough tests still coming up. Tennessee is interesting because they probably just have to take care of business and coast in with one loss only while avoiding having to go back to Georgia or Alabama, or excuse me, uh, Atlanta, to play in the SEC title game. So Tennessee, I think, is going to be a hard team to keep out with just one win, but it's going to be interesting. LSU could shoot their way in if they somehow upset Georgia, assuming they get to the SEC title game, but that seems like a big ask right now. Alabama, to get them in, is going to be a hard lift. You're going to really have to argue with two losses. And then you got USC, Oregon, who are sort of, you know, West Coast bias, not as good. As uh, the SEC, can you put them in with one loss? USC lost at uh, Utah. Oregon's one loss is to Georgia. Eh, going to be tough. And like I said, I think college game day was the best one they've ever had on Saturday. All right, let's get to the NFL. Oh, by the way, one more on college. If you like points, you had to love SMU Houston. SMU topped Houston 77-63. to in the highest scoring regular season game in college football history, uh, it surpassed Pitt's win 76-61 over Syracuse in 2016. And it's only behind the all-time highest scoring game, the 74-72 win by Texas A&M over LSU. But that was in seven, excuse me, overtimes. I'm not taking that out either. So you take it that I'm out. I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> I mean, that is a monster over when it comes to game totals. SMU Houston, 77 to 63. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. 
Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. All right, to the NFL. There will be a funeral at 6.01 a.m. on Monday morning on my show at 97.3 The Game. For the Green Bay Packers. Lo- losers to the Detroit Lions to fall to 3-6 and six with a very tough stretch of games coming up. It was already going to be tough for them to make a run for the playoffs, it looked like, in the NFC. Even with a weak NFC, if they won this game, now the numbers are basically impossible. And when you go inside the 25 six times and come away with just three points, it's just you're not going to win many games. What's wrong? Who's to blame? Well, how many fingers do you have? Because there's lots of fingers to point on this. But if this season does end up swirling down the drain, which it certainly looks like it is hopelessly gone towards swirling down the drain, my basic stance is going to be, okay, well, it didn't work out. I didn't hear a lot of people saying, no, let's not do this. I mean, some people were saying, Trade Rodgers, let's go to love now. But he was the reigning MVP. So you're telling me the reigning MVP suddenly, nine games later, can't football or doesn't know how to football. Oh, he missed guys big time. He made bad throws. Uh, the, The first throw that bounced in the air and was picked off was ridiculously low. Straight at a guy's helmet. Just a careless, reckless yeet. Let's see what happens in here. And it was picked off. And then the one to Bakhtiari on the trick play with the tackle eligible. That was just a plain underthrow. Yes, people were pissed off. They're like, why aren't you running the ball there? A trick play to a tackle eligible? What's wrong with you? Well, if he had just put some oomph on it, it's a touchdown. So Rodgers is playing like shit. But let's also not forget the wide receivers are just not good enough. They weren't good enough to start the season. And then once guys start going down, yeah, Lazard came back, but Dobbs was out in the first, I don't know, quarter or maybe first play, almost something like that. You know, he's out. Watson goes out with another concussion. It looks like that's awful for the kid. Who are you going to beat? Not even the Lions who suck past defense-wise. You're not going to beat them with – Lazard, Sammy Watkins running wrong routes, Amari Rodgers, and Samari Torre. 
You're just not. That said, with all that, with some of the worst breaks, dumb play, mental mistakes, and and injuries piling up, like eight guys were lost to the Packers in this game. They had a shot inside the 20 at the end of the game to win. First and goal. First and goal, they couldn't get. I think it was first and goal at the end. Go back and look at the uh, game tape. So there will be a funeral for the season, and I just ask everyone to wear black, uh, be respectable, respectful, I should say, and uh, get there early because I think there's going to be a big crowd for it. All right, let's go through the uh, rest of the NFL here. Uh, We'll just hit all the games real quick and the stuff that I've just gleaned from watching the highlights uh, today. I spent some time just trying to sit and not scroll and scroll and scroll and watch the highlights on both NFL Network as they run a big highlight package right before the uh, night game kicks off. Uh, ESPN, which runs pretty good highlights and analysis and graphics and stats and stuff and interviews, a nice package of stuff. They run that as well in the seven o'clock Eastern hour on Sundays. And I'll watch more, of course, tonight once I'm done with this. The Jets with the upset of the day to beat the Bills 20 to 17 as uh, Josh Allen played another minus game. Uh, Admitted, he's like, it's hard to win when the quarterback plays like shit. Zach Wilson was just good enough, and the Jets rose up to get the win. Their 6-3 best start in quite some time. The Bengals rout the Panthers 42-21 to as Joe Mixon has one of the all-time fantasy games in fantasy football history, 153 yards, four touchdowns, and probably, let's check his receiving. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yeah, he also had four catches for uh, 58 yards on top of his four rushing touchdowns. So five total touchdowns, four for 58 receiving, 22 for 153 on the ground, and Joe Burrow only missed six passes. So uh, the Bengals, after looking like shit against the Browns in prime time, bounce back with a big win, and the Panthers apparently are back to being who they are are supposed to be a team that is just racing for the number one overall pick. The Patriots crushed the Colts 26-3. to Sam Ellinger was turned inside out by that Bill Belichick defense, sacked nine times, which I know you want me to get the soundbite, nine times from Ferris Bueller. I don't have that soundbite. That's something Charge has, but yes. Belichick against rookie quarterbacks or guys who shouldn't be playing, Usually does pretty well. Patriots now 5-4, and four, Colts 3-5-1. and one. The Chargers beat the Falcons 20-17. to 17. There was a crazy play at the end of this game where Austin Eckler fumbled. A big dude for Atlanta picked it up, starts running the other way. He fumbles, and then the Chargers recover, and on a big third down, Justin Herbert shows his giant nuts and hits a streaking receiver for a catch and a first down, and they get the game-winning kick uh, from uh, Dicker, the kicker, who they signed for the injured Dustin Hopkins uh, the last, uh, I think in the last week. Chargers win. They're 5-3. and three. They're not, Chargers are now like winning some close games that they normally lose, so look out there. The Raiders blow a 17-point lead as the Jaguars storm back to win 27-20. to this ruined a rare good day for their big acquisition, Devontae Adams, who got 17 targets en route to 10 catches, 146 yards, and two touchdowns 
Uh, but the Raiders are one of the big disappointments along with the Packers this year uh, as they fall to 2-6, and six, blowing another 17-point lead against the Jaguars. The Bears fall to the Dolphins 35-32, to 32, but oh my God, the rushing day from Justin Fields. I thought somebody had made a mistake when they said he has the single game record now for rushing yards by a quarterback, 178. I was like, I could have sworn that... Colin Kaepernick ran for 220 against uh, the Packers. And the answer is no. He ran for like 181. Or no, 171, I think it was. Either way, Justin Fields was electric running the ball. 178 and a touchdown. He threw for three touchdowns, even though on very low yardage, 123 yards. Uh, But it was too much to a tongue of Iowa. He had 300 yards plus three touchdowns. And Jalen Waddell... And Tyreek Hill did their thing. They both scored touchdowns as the Dolphins go to 6-3. and three. They hold off the Bears, who have to be feeling pretty excited about things. Chase Claypool got six targets. Uh, two catches, 13 yards, so no big impact on the game. But at least they got him some looks in his first game as a Chicago Bear. The Commanders choke against the Vikings and lose 20-17. to 17. This game had just about everything Taylor Heineke making yeet throws that should have been picked in triple coverage, but turning out to be big, you know, long gains for, was it a touchdown or did they call him down at the one? Either way, a back judge got in the way of one of the defenders for the Vikings and pretty much picked them. And you're like, oh God, this is so going to get picked. Oh my God, what happened there? But then late in the game, up 10, they allow a field goal. Then Heineke does bad Heineke things, throws a bad high ball over the middle, uh, picked off, returned back down deep inside Commander's territory. They ended up kicking a field goal, the Commanders did, or the Vikings did to take a three-point lead, but there's like almost a minute 55 left. But what happened was there was a penalty on the Commanders for quote-unquote roughing the center by stepping over him or walking over him, knocking him down or something like that. That was what the sports center anchor said it was. I need to find out more about this because it gave the Vikings a new set of downs and they just then basically ran the clock out. So they kicked the game winner to go seven and one with pretty much no time left on the clock. Uh, The commander's defense was really good in this game, pretty much all game long. And yeah, they lost the game, but guess what? Reports are now swirling. That'll be Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos owning the team, and it could be done by the March owners' meetings. So this thing is moving fast. I got a podcast with Andy and Naki coming up later on in the week to talk about Snyder and this fast-moving story about the sale to Bezos and company. And then there's my friend Geno Smith. Seahawks beat the Cardinals 31-21 to to go to 6-3. and Geno Smith, 275, two touchdowns in this one. Kenneth Walker, the third, another monster day. 26 carries, a buck nine, two touchdowns. Arizona's three and six. And Kyler Murray, under 200 yards passing. They got to be rethinking the money they piled into him. And I talked about the Buccaneers coming back to stun the Rams, 16 to 13. Uh, I mean, what are you doing, L.A.? Prevent defense. God hates football cowards. That was abysmal. So there's a quick run through on week number nine. Kyrie's to-do list. Apparently, sources say the Nets have delivered Kyrie Irving his six items he must complete in order to return to the team. He must apologize again and condemn the movie that Amazon is still hosting. 
and was apparently the number one streamed or downloaded movie on Amazon in like their documentary department this past week. So that's kind of an own goal there, isn't it? That they've given it so much attention. It's the number one thing. People are streaming like, what? Okay, how bad is this movie? And it's it's bad. It's, you know, from what I've read, it's, you know, full of all kinds of bullshit. But that said, probably not the best thing. Second thing Kyrie must do is donate the 500 grand to anti-hate causes, even though the Jewish Anti-Defamation League has already said, we're not taking his money. So he's got to go find somebody to take the $500,000. Ooh, 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 me, I'll take it. I just need to start an anti-hate organization. Just give me a second. I'll get, get a website up and running. He must undergo sensitivity training. He must undergo anti-Semitic training. He must meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. And he must meet with Joe Tsai, their owner, to demonstrate his understanding of being a changed man. Wow. This is social waterboarding. This is madness. If he does all this, then what? Are people going to like him? Are they going to go, all right, come on, Kyrie, bring it in. Bring it in for a hug, that a boy, him noogies, you nutball. Good to have you back. You're a welcome member of society. No, they're not going to say that. He's been tagged as irredeemable, as a absolutely no good anti-Semite. If they do take him back, if he does go through all of this, He'll just be, oh yeah, that's that anti-Semite that danced for the man so he could get his $36 million left. He's going to be a free agent this winter, by the way. Will somebody take a run at him for a much lower number? Or does he still want to play exactly? I don't know. But I can be against the movie. I can be against people promoting garbage like this while at the same time say, This is madness. This is social waterboarding with him. And I guess everyone thinks it's a good idea. Like, this will be great. This will fix him. And it's the right thing to do. You can't change what's in people's heart, you know? You can't. They've got to come to it on their own. But, you know, the Nets obviously have a problem because of where they play and, you know, what Kyrie has represented. Now to the state of politics. We'll end on this. So if you're done with the sports, good. Thank you very much. 36 minutes in. We've had a good podcast so far. But as you know, tomorrow is election day in America. Your precious right to vote, which many, many men died for your right to vote. They also died for your right to not vote, but that's not talked about a whole lot. There are countries, like I remember when like, you know, Saddam Hussein would be reelected in Iran, no, Iraq, sorry. It's getting late, can you tell? Uh, reelected in Iraq with like an, like so like 97% of the vote or something crazy like that, and a large amount of the population voted. Why would you vote if you knew that the game was rigged, which surely the Iraqis did know the game was rigged? Because they don't want to get on some list as, hey, how come Muhammad over here didn't vote? And no, that's not racist. That's a common name over there. So people went along with the ruse. So remember, 
People died for your right to vote. They've died for your right to not vote if you don't want to. I think you should vote. It's free. It's damn easy to do. Easier all the time. Shit, mail it in months ahead of time. I think that's bullshit, by the way. If it was my country, I'd say, no, we're voting on one day. We're voting on this day so that people can have all the information in case something happens late. You know, a lot of shit can go down in the last month or week of a campaign. I'd have one day and I'd have the votes in person. And only if you're military and serving overseas is it such that, you know, you can't vote. But what if I get a business trip? Hey, change it. If voting is that important to you or just don't vote. But that's just me. Anyway, um, we are now openly pushing out as candidates, people with cognitive impairments. And basically the media is saying, no, this is, this is fine. I mean, the week of Fetterman gaffes and Biden gaffes has been incredible. Sidebar. So will other politicians start wearing hooded sweatshirts, just weird, ratty looking hooded sweatshirts in and around Congress? Is this going to be a trend if he wins? Like, all right, well, he's dressing down. What the fuck am I getting in the suit? But I digress. It's uh, sobering to think that this guy is still going to get probably at least 48% of the vote, may actually win. But this is where we are. Of course, the alternatives are not much better. A football hero in Georgia, a carpetbagging celebrity doctor in Pennsylvania. But the Democrat Party right now is unrecognizable from what it was 30 years ago. This is not your dad's Democrat Party. The abolish the police, open borders, bail reform, limitless money for wars in Ukraine, abortion on demand, gender-affirming surgery for teenagers, censorship, cancel culture, total subservience, apparently, the Democrats are to Big Pharma, which is mind-blowing to think about. And here's also where our politics are now. Candidates openly refuse to debate their opponent, and it's somehow not disqualifying. That's what this uh, Katie, what's her name in Arizona, the Democrat, has done with um, uh, Kari Lake, the Republican. She's like, I'm not debating. I don't want to give her a platform. (laughs) And everyone's like, okay, this is fair. This is, yeah, that's good. No, definitely don't debate. Right. And of course, they're already saying it's going to take days to count all the votes in Pennsylvania. This is madness. This can't be the way it works. Nobody will have confidence in the system if it's going to take days to count all the votes. And I understand that the way the laws are written in Pennsylvania, you can't start counting the mail-in votes until the day of the election. Um, But there's other ways around it. Florida, which had the fiasco in 2000, totally revamped their voting system. And now it runs as smooth as can be. Every other country in the world, though, they count the votes. They know who wins on the same day. This is crucial to having confidence in the system. And it doesn't matter who wins. The other side, if it takes three days and all of a sudden it's a close race and the one side wins, it overtakes the other one, they're going to say, this is bullshit. So until we fix this, I don't think we have free and fair elections here in the U.S. We have some flawed and some crazy and some bullshit elections, but they're all the elections that we have, so... What are you going to do? This tweet was great. Bloomberg News tweeted, Will Twitter be able to monitor the U.S. midterms with half the staff? I'm sorry, what? 
Somebody responded, sometimes the media forgets they're supposed to pretend the government is in in charge of things. Yeah. (laughs) Twitter is not the monitor for U.S. elections, but they think it is. We need term limits. We need age limits. And I'd call that a good start, but we're not going to get that. I'd then move on to strict laws against sitting members of government actually trading stocks on companies they regulate, but we're not there now, may never be there. It's insane. And we keep moving. Like many Americans, just want the basics from our government. I want the government and our country to be financially prudent, like you or I are, with our family's finances. And from the government standpoint, I don't want them running a deficit. I'd like, to be, I'd like the government to be as debt-free as possible. The exact opposite of that is happening to the point where the interest we're paying on our debt is soon going to bury us, pretty much. We are on the road to Venezuela. It's fucking nuts. I want to, be exercise, I want to exercise and be healthy as a nation, which is to build up a strong military and really not use it unless we have to, but make sure everyone can see us go, fuck, that guy's jacked. I ain't going to fuck with him. I want to lock our doors at night, which would be securing the border. That's not happening. And I want to maximize individual liberty everywhere possible. Defend free speech at every turn vigilantly. And that sure as fuck ain't happening right now. So we're so far from that, you can't even see it. And if you're conservative and a libertarian like me who has to vote Republican because there's no better choice, well, um, you know, it's a choice between bad and worse. If you want your vote to mean anything at all. Yeah, there's going to be a big red wave wave on Tuesday. How big, I don't know. Won't be big enough for my liking. And besides, once all these shithead Republicans get in there, they're not going to do a goddamn thing. Having to root for Republicans as a conservative slash libertarian is like rooting for the Browns. It's like a football program with a huge recruiting class. Like, let's say Texas A&M. Perfect example. It's one thing to have a huge recruiting class, which would be, you know, a big wave on Tuesday that puts a lot of Republicans in in, in office. But when it comes to actually getting something done that's governing, that's actually the winning of the games. And uh, Team Elephant <laughs> doesn't matter the recruiting class. They rarely get shit done that I would like to see. So, but hey, you got to vote, right? I mean, well, you don't have to vote. I told you that, but I mean, probably should vote. Unless you don't care. If you don't care, then I'm not going to shame you. I did not vote today. Well, fine. That's great. Good on you. Carry on with your life. It probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But I still see enough shades of difference to vote against the bigger set of assholes than the lesser. So there you go. Go America. I'll leave you with a quote from H.L. Mencken, the Bard of Baltimore, a turn-of-the-century writer and political, what would the word be, satirist? Political observer? He's got so many great quotes on democracy. Democracy, wrote Mencken, is the theory that common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. He also said every decent man is ashamed of the government he lives under. (laughs) And for every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong. But most importantly, he said, the whole aim of politics 
is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Well, not all of them per se, but a lot of them, that's for sure. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading, listening. So much material that shakes out from the weekend. I left a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor, but I'll make sure to put it in the podcast as the week goes on. Wednesday, I'm taping a deep dive on the Snyder ouster with the Commanders. It's a hell of a story. It's moving quick. By Wednesday, we'll know even more. It's going to be me, Andy Poland, Chris Knocky, the closest approximation of the original full-strength formula of the sports reporters I could muster in person together at the Palm and Tyson's Corner to talk about it. It should be a great podcast. That'll drop on Thursday, and then I'll mix in my usual regular contributors throughout the week. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.